Friday the 13th is typically a day of misfortune and accidents, if you're someone who believes in superstitions. And Friday, January 13th, 2012 was no different. A cruise line tradition is for newly launched vessels to be christened with a bottle of champagne broken against the side of the ship before its first sail. In 2005, when the Costa Concordia was preparing for its first cruise, supermodel Eva Herzegova attempted to christen the ship, but the champagne bottle didn't break. This is seen as a bad omen for cruise liners, and it would be the first of many to come. This is the Costa Concordia disaster. I'm Ashton, and welcome to the Haunted Corner. Welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm glad that you're here. Today I have a different episode for you, but in keeping with the cruise line theme, I wanted to tell you guys about the Costa Concordia disaster. I heard about this when it was happening, but I didn't realize how truly wild and completely avoidable this whole situation was. 32 people lost their lives that day completely because of human error. Now, let's get to it. The Costa Concordia came out of the shipyard in September of 2005 and departed on her maiden voyage on July 14, 2006. Some people believe she was doomed from the start based on nautical superstitions. But the Costa Concordia was the first of several massive cruise liners that were built in Italy. This was a big ship. It measured 952 feet in length and was capable of carrying over 3,000 passengers and 1,000 crew members. By comparison, the Titanic was 882 feet long and could accommodate up to 2,435 passengers. The Costa Concordia had 13 decks, 1,500 cabins, plus tons of options for entertainment, including a casino, a huge theater, five restaurants, 13 bars, a two-story fitness center, as well as five swimming pools and spas. Sign me up, but not for this one. (laughs) The captain was a 10-year veteran of the cruise line, a man named Francesco Chettino, and the choices he made that night would be brought into question for years to come. On Friday, January 13th, 2012, the Costa Concordia began a planned seven-day cruise, leaving a port in Civita Vecchia, Italy, around 7 o'clock p.m. and heading towards Savannah and five other ports along the way before returning back to Civita Vecchia. The guests on the cruise were expecting a fun and relaxing Italian vacation, but what they would experience later that evening would be anything but relaxing. Almost three hours later, while sailing past the island of Giglio, the Costa Concordia made an unexpected deviation from its standard course, one that would have devastating effects. 
The captain deviated for, from the course in order to sail closer to shore than normal to perform a maritime salute where the ship sounds the horn and sails close to shore. This is something that the ship had done before, but typically during the day. And what the captain and cruise goers alike didn't realize at the time is that there were tons of rock formations and reefs that were just below the surface of the water out of sight. Some guests were enjoying a meal in the dining hall when they heard a sudden loud bang along with a groaning noise. The lights went out and the plates and silverware fell to the floor. Guests weren't really sure what was happening, but then the voice of a crew member, member came over the intercom blaming the noise on an electrical failure. But it was much, much more than that. At 9.45 p.m., the Costa Concordia struck a large rock formation on the port side, tearing a huge 160-foot-long hole in the lower side of the hole. The ship quickly began taking on water, causing it to list to the port side at a 7-degree angle. It's said that the crew members did notice the rock formation before impact. The captain ordered a change of direction, but because of a language barrier, the helmsman steered the ship in the opposite direction. It took 13 seconds to correct this mistake, but it was too late. The damage was done, and the situation was quickly deteriorating. So right after the impact, the power goes out. It, the ship quickly starts taking on water, and it tilts to the left, to the port side when you're facing the front of the ship. Because of the wind and the position the rudder was in, the ship began to drift in the opposite direction, almost like a U-turn. This caused the ship to quickly list in the opposite direction, so to the right or the starboard side, causing further confusion and panic amongst guests. And like, if you can just imagine being on a ship that's going from one side all the way to the other side, I can't even imagine. This just sounds horrifying. So the generators kicked in and the power came back on, but only temporarily. The ship began to take on even more water and tilt further to the starboard side. Five compartments took on water pretty quickly, including the engine room, and the power would eventually go out again. The ship at this time was drifting, and it eventually ran aground while still tilting to the starboard. So it was tilting so much that it, this would make the rescue really difficult and it would make it really hard for them to try to get the lifeboats out eventually. So meanwhile, guests are freaking out and rightfully so. The crew members were downplaying the situation to keep people from panicking, claiming that they were experiencing a blackout and everything was good. And they were asking guests to, the, to return to their rooms. So this is like a Titanic situation. Like everything's fine, go back to your rooms, everything's fine. But everything was not good and it was not fine. Like, sir, the ship is tilting so far to the right, I can see the ocean floor from my window. Everything's not cool. Passengers began calling authorities and family members in Italy. When the Italian Coast Guard called the Costa Concordia at 10.14 p.m., Captain Chitino downplayed it and said that they were just experiencing a blackout. But then, when they called back 10 minutes later, 
like, hello, we're getting calls from people saying that you have an issue on your hands and you're saying it's just a blackout. So what's up? So finally, the crew admitted that they were taking on water and the captain requested tugboats. Because of how far the ship was listing, it made it really difficult to lower the lifeboats, the lifeboats. But, and they hadn't had a lifeboat drill yet for the cruise. So, like, that's, like, step one when you take a cruise is put on your life jackets. This is what we do in an emergency, right? Well, they hadn't done that yet. So no one really knew what to do. Everyone was panicking. It was chaos. At 10.39 p.m., the first rescue vessel arrived. And at 10.48 p.m., the captain finally gave the order to abandon ship. This is when things turned really chaotic. There were almost 4,200 people that needed to be evacuated from the ship. People were jumping off the ship, which caused at least two people to drown. Some people escaped in lifeboats, while others were rescued by the Coast Guard via boat or helicopter. Unlike the captain of the Titanic, Captain Shatino was not going to go down with the ship, or at least stay and make sure everyone got off safely. Nope. By 11.30, he had abandoned the bridge and was off the ship. He claims he fell off the ship and landed in a a lifeboat. He fell off the ship. That's what he said. He said he fell off the ship and he landed in a lifeboat. So that's a nice coincidence for him, I suppose. Uh, Shortly after that, the last crew member departed the bridge, even though approximately 300 people were still on the sinking ship. At 12.40 a.m., a Coast Guard captain called Shatino, who was in a lifeboat with other Concordia officers, and ordered him to return to the vessel and oversee the evacuation. There's an audio clip out there that you can listen to, and in it you can hear the Coast Guard captain yelling at Shatino to, quote, get back on board, damn it, end quote. Shatino refused, and he never went back on board. By this time, however, the rescue operations included 25 patrol boats, 14 merchant vessels, and several helicopters. And by early morning, 4,194 people were evacuated from the Concordia and taken to Giglio Island, which had a permanent population of less than 1,000. At 6.17 a.m. on January 14th, the search efforts were temporarily halted But the following day, divers rescued three more people from inside the ship, including a newlywed couple who had slept through the sinking and the ship's purser who had a broken leg. By this time, 32 people had lost their lives and another 64 people were injured. The last body was not recovered until November of 2014. In the aftermath of the disaster, there was a lot going on. People were searching for loved ones who were on the ship. Those who were on the ship were recovering from the physical and emotional toll that had this had taken on them. And the removal process needed to begin because looting was occurring on the ship. They couldn't just leave it there. It wasn't like this was the Titanic where it was out in the middle of the ocean and not easily recoverable. I mean, this wasn't going to be easy either. Don't get me wrong. But because of where the ship had settled on the rocky ledge, the ship was sinking at pretty small increments at first. 
but eventually it became really concerning when it sank, it shifted approximately three inches in seven hours. The fear was that the ship would slide further down the embankment and break apart, causing an oil spill. So to prevent this from happening, oil booms were placed around the ship, and in February of 2012, salvage workers began removing the more than 2,000 tons of fuel that were on the ship. This was a daunting task that took more than a month, and once the fuel was removed, the ship could now be removed from the ocean and scrapped. But this is a lot easier said than done. If you thought removing the fuel was tough, this is going to be a lot worse. On, the, on February 3rd, Franco Gabrielli, the head of the Civil Protection Authority, told a meeting of residents of Giglio that the ship would be refloated and removed whole and not cut up for scrap on site. The CEO of Costa stated that after the breaches in the hull were sealed, the ship could be refloated by giant inflatable buoys and then towed away. The company then invited 10 bur- ten firms to bid for the contract to salvage the ship. The contract was awarded to two salvage companies, and this would be the largest maritime salvage operation in history. So it was kind of a big deal. It was predicted to take 12 months and cost $300 million. The ship would need to be righted and refloated before being towed back to shore for scrapping. So this was the plan. They were going to secure the hole to the land using steel cables to stop it from falling deeper. They were going to build a horizontal underwater platform before, below the ship. Then attach sponsons to the port side of the hole. Bring the hole to vertical by parbuckling the hole onto the platform. Then attach the sponsons to the starboard side of the hole. Refloat the hole in tanks and tow the ship to an Italian port. So sounds easy, right? (laughs) On September 16th, 2013, the parbuckling of the ship began. Once the ship had been rotated slightly past a critical angle of 24 degrees from its resting position, valves on the sponsons were open to allow seawater to flood into them, and the increasing weight of the water in the sponsons completed the rolling of the ship to the upright position at an accelerated pace. So, and this allowed them to not need any strand jacks or cables. The ship was returned to a fully upright position in the early hours of September 17, 2013, and ultimately the Costa Concordia was refloated and towed to a Genoa to Genoa in July of 2014. The final cost of the salvage came to be $1.2 billion. Final scrapping of the ship was completed in July of 2017 with 53,000 tons of material having been recycled. The entire ship was recycled. After the ship was refloated and removed, an $85 million project was started for salvage site remediation called WP-9. This plan included ocean floor cleaning, anchor block removal, grout grout bag removal, and platform removal. So everything they did to get the ship out of the the ocean, they had to go in and clean up. On January 27, 2012, Costa posted the compensation 
package offered to uninjured passengers on its website. So this included a payment of 11,000 euro per person to compensate for all damages. And this included loss of baggage and property, psychological distress, and they also got reimbursement for a ton of other things, including the value of the cruise, all air and bus travel costs included in the cruise package, and all travel expenses to return home, as well as medical expenses arriving from the event, and for all of the expenses incurred on board during the cruise. So they were getting their money back for everything and, and more, which it, they should have gotten a lot more in my opinion, but... An investigation into the incident began pretty quickly after. As a result, Captain Chitino and First Officer Ciro Ambrosio were arrested on charges of manslaughter and ab abandoning the ship before all passengers had been evacuated. Evidence was gathered from eyewitnesses as well as recordings of the phone calls between the Italian Coast Guard and the captain, including the one where the captain of the Coast Guard was yelling at Chitino to get back on board, and he refused. This is where he claims he fell onto the lifeboat. Like, whatever, dude. Four officers who were on board and three managers of Costa Cruises were also placed formally under investigation. On July 20th, 2013, five people were found guilty of manslaughter, negligence, and wrecking. Robert Ferrarini who was the company's crisis director, received the longest sentence at two years and 10 months. Manrico Giampetroni, the cabin service director, was sentenced to two and a half years. And then three crew members, the first officer, Ciro Ambrosio, helmsman Jacob Rusley Bin, and third officer, Sylvia Caronica, were given sentences between one and two years. Ferrarini, who was not on the ship, was convicted of understating the extent of the disaster and delaying an adequate response. Ultimately, none of the five officers were jailed because their sentences were suspended. Captain Shatina was tried separately for manslaughter and causing the loss of the ship. During his trial, a woman named Dominica Samaritan said that she was the captain's lover and was a non-paying passenger on the ship and her presence on the bridge likely led to a great distraction to the captain. Uh, yeah. So she was on the bridge at the time that the ship hit the rocks. So that's not a good look. Roberto Ferrarini told the court, quote, Chitino asked me to tell the maritime authorities that the collision was due to a blackout on the ship, but I strongly objected, end quote. In February of 2015, Chitino was convicted and sentenced to 16 years in prison. He appealed against the sentence, which was initially upheld in May of 2016 and finally in May of 2017. He's serving his sentence in Rebibia Prison in Rome. And that is the completely avoidable and horrific Costa Concordia disaster. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. For exclusive content and access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, please join us over on Patreon. If you enjoyed Cruise Ship Disappearances Part 1 earlier this week, Part 2 is available right now on Patreon, and it will only be available there. So be sure to check it out. It's available at the $1 per month level on up. You'll be supporting the show and helping us grow. And if you join at the $5 per month level, you'll have access to an upcoming episode one week early. And you'll get an exclusive The Haunted Corner sticker after donating for three months, plus a lot more. So head over to patreon.com forward slash The Haunted Corner and check it out. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to tell a friend. If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, please be kind and take care of yourselves, and we will see you next week. Bye.